Welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA, the team here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, it is week four. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season, kind of almost around there. Uh, but, you know, it season's, you know, pulling away. How, how are we feeling headed into this week? Good, man. It's uh, one of these things where we're starting to build up a sample. We're starting to see what we really have from these teams. You know, we kind of have our priors coming into week one. We, we still hang on to those because as we say it's one game. And then we look at some stats in week two and we say, well, that was impacted by just the one game carrying a lot of weight. So now we're starting to figure out what we've got, where some weaknesses and strengths these teams are. And like you said, we're, we made it to October almost unscathed. We got into October and then we had our first little scare and appearance of, uh, you know, COVID-19's impact on what the season could be. But the NFL is handling that. But all, all in all, like we're, we're moving along here, like you said. Yeah, it's been fun. I think the season's, you know, it's moving quick. It just feels like yesterday we're think, talking about, uh, you know, uh, training camp and heading into week one. So, you know, almost like every other year, the, the season's moving fast, but we're already in October and, you know, here in Ohio, it's getting chilly. And so we're starting to get some of that colder fall weather, um, more football weather, but um, I think the product's been really fun and, and we'll talk about in a second, you know, we're seeing a lot of points and a lot of, a lot of offense That Dallas Seattle game was just offensive porn. Uh, it was a blast watching that game. And even, you know, Sunday night with green Bay and, and new Orleans, it's just, it's a, it's a fun product. I think we have in the field right now. So I'm enjoying it. Every Seattle game is amazing this season. <laughs> like, I just can't wait. I, I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited for dolphins and Seahawks. Like I can't, like, I'm really excited about it. Oh, yeah, the, I mean, the, the king the of the thing, YOLOs. <laughs> yeah. The thing is with, with the Seahawks, there were never any normal games with them. And now it's just not normal games with a ton of points. Right. Usually it, it was like, you know, 17-17 going into the fourth quarter and something weird happened. Now it's 38-38 and something weird is going on in the fourth quarter. So I'm very happy the Seahawks have um, continued – uh, their trend of of never playing a normal fourth quarter, um, kind of except for that Atlanta game, uh, which you know you would think Seahawks fourth quarters and Atlanta fourth quarters, um, <laughs> the history we have with those, you would have thought something weird would happen there, but that was just kind of a, a blowout in week one. Um, but I'm very glad that the Seahawks um, have kept their ability to play the most ridiculous fourth quarters possible, while also now uh, putting up points as one of the best offenses uh, in the league, one of the most. Uh, you know, a high-powered offense in the league. They're throwing 70% of the time, just uh, deep balls everywhere. E- even their deep balls, the DK Metcalf uh, would have been touchdown, fumble out of the end zone. Um, we're just, uh, it's Seattle football right now to, to the complete extreme. Uh, and that's definitely making Sundays very enjoyable. Um, but in terms of that and in scoring these points, um, you know, we're seeing that a lot more. Um, and I think we've kind of been talking about this uh, through the past couple of weeks. And I know, TA, you've, you've brought this up, is uh, you know, penalties are, have been down. And that's really been helping these offenses score. And that's, that's kind of what we have uh, been seeing. There's, uh, you know, fewer holdings. And I think that, that's been a huge thing. We just, we, I, mean, I don't even, like, remember holding calls <laughs> happening. Uh, and I think that's, that's been a big thing for these offenses. It's definitely, it's like, uh, it's kind of like the, the juiced ball in baseball, how, you know, that ball was kind of made for home runs. So scoring would increase. And I think we're kind of seeing that. So, uh, TA, you, you've continually uh, been diving into this. Uh, what can you tell us about, about some of the penalties and 
some of the things that have been happening that have been, you know, conducted through this offensive scoring environment this year. Yeah, and so, you know, the continuing theme, we've talked about how we thought that the offenses could be ahead of the defenses where prior to, to week one, it was, you know, a lot of the talk nationally was the opposite. And, you know, our theories, I guess, were, you know, a lot of uh, – we thought a lot of points could be scored because of lack of uh, tackling and stamina and those sorts of things. And, you know, I think we've seen a little bit of that, but really it's the, as you mentioned, the penalties that have, you know, really skewed, I think that along with the lack of home field um, and no crowd noise, those two things are really added to the, you know, abundance of points that we've seen. So week three, we saw the overs hit nine of, of uh, nine of 16 games. So it's three straight weeks above 500. And, kind of crazy this is pure randomness but if you just looked at thursday night and 1 p.m games only those games have gone over 24 of 30 games which is incredible i mean at 80 percent hit rate so for whatever reason um the, the overs have hit earlier uh earlier during the day than than uh, afternoon and at night but we're gonna put at- that to the test this thursday <laughs> <laughs> you'll be surprised i could see like three defensive touchdowns right to get it over <laughs> but um but yeah so we are you know last week the average points per game uh these games were 52.3 okay but we only saw nine overs which is incredible um so through the the, the first three weeks we've seen points per game close to 51 uh compared to 44.4 last year so a huge jump um you know from last year and you look at uh, the totals, the market is starting to adjust. So going oh, yeah. into week one, we saw um, totals were priced at 45.8 points. Now, right now, as we sit in week, th- in week four, we're looking at 48 and a half points per game uh, on average for these totals. And you've seen a ton of uh, moves early in the week. I mean, we were talking about um, some of the games that really moved. Jacksonville, Cincinnati, I know moved about four or five points. Uh, Houston, Minnesota went from, I think, 50 and a half to sitting at 54 and a half. So we're seeing big, big line moves. But, you know, I think this might be the week where uh, those, those have been inflated a little bit. And so, um, you know, I think there's a chance that this could be an under week. But really with the penalties, so yeah, holding is down 59%. Offensive holding is down 59% from last year and down 45% from the prior five-year average. Uh, you know, and there's some articles written about why is that? Is it because of, you know, with the whole... COVID situation and, um, you know, the NFL just wanting to make this as entertaining a product as possible with all these other sports going on. You just want as many, you want as many points and, you know, high entertainment. So refs have been kind of told to stand down and only call the most obvious uh, offensive holding penalties. So that's one theory. Um, But, you know, Rufus Peabody, who's a a real well-known sports better on Twitter, he estimates that we've seen about a one point per game increase uh, to these games due to just the lack of holding calls, which doesn't sound like much, but, you know, as we talked about before the pod separately, you know, you lose, you can lose these uh, over-unders by a half a point very easily. Uh, it happens all the time. So one point is pretty, pretty significant. And then defensively, you know, strangely, we've seen defensive pass interference penalties go up 22% uh, from last year. It's the highest rate we've seen since 2001. Uh, the biggest beneficiary so far has been Tom Brady and, and the Bucks. Uh, you know, he's been throwing the ball deep and, you know, maybe he's smart enough to figure this out and he's kind of taking advantage of this like Flacco used to do back in the day where he used to just toss it up and hope for PI. Uh, but they've gained 134 yards in, in pass interference penalties alone. And on defense, the Saints by a mile the have committed the most, <laughs> 183 yards of penalties so far. Um, that's you know more than double the, the next uh, the next team, Jacksonville. They've committed at least two defensive play uh 
two uh, defensive PI penalties per game in every game, which is incredible. So, you know, Janoris Jenkins and those guys uh, really, uh, they're getting caught uh, holding. And so, you know, I think um, he's at least won a game for sure. I think he has at least won in all of them. What's that? I said, I think he has at least one oh, in yeah. all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like every time I look, he's the one who's committing the penalty. So I think all of that is adding to, you know, a, a ton of points. And so, and even, you know, with the mentioned last week with lack of home field and the crowd noise not being an issue, these road quarterbacks are just going in, especially the really, really good ones, the savvy ones like Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers and Brady. Like they're using hard counts on the road to get the, get the home team to go off off sides and it's working. And so there's really no, I mean, when you have those types of quarterbacks, there's no home field advantage at all. I mean, road quarterbacks last week, I looked it up out of the 16 road quarterbacks uh, in aggregate, they threw 34 touchdowns, only 13 interceptions, 11 of the 16 road quarterbacks had a QB rating over one Oh five, which is pretty significant. Um, road teams are scoring 24.6 points per game versus 23.3 last year. So, you know, I think all of that combined is leading to all these points, and I think it's a fun product. So I have no problem with it at all. Um, from a better perspective, you just better be, you better be careful when it comes to taking these unders, um, and make sure you you wait because I think the market is just driving these numbers so high that you know eventually you can get you can get some good numbers um, to the under if they go they cross a, a key number here like fifty four for example. Um, you know, I've, I'm on under Houston, Minnesota it might be crazy, but I'm under 54 and a half. It opened at 50 and a half. So we saw a four point move. You know, I wouldn't, I think 50 and a half was probably too low, but I think 54 and a half is too high above that key number of 54. So you might be able to pick off a few of these unders if you wait. So, uh, but I think all in all, just a fun product and we're seeing tons of points. And if the NFL just, you know, tells their refs to continue to call it like, like they have been, I think we're going to see uh, even more of this. Who knew that penalties weren't fun, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's funny, like the, the next gen, um, I, I think it was next year, they had a replay of the Kamara swing pass last week that went for a 50-yard touchdown. It was an awesome run, but there was like the most blatant hold you've ever seen, just not called. It was, it would have been called any other year that would have negated that, but otherwise we saw a huge, you know, scoring play and, you know, great for fantasy players out there and DFS and everyone, everyone's thrilled, but in reality, that was, it was egregious and they didn't call it, so uh, yeah, the, the, we complained about too many holding penalties last year early on when that was a mandate, and then now they pulled back to the extreme the other way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see going forward what, what, you know, if that continues or not. Yeah, we'll see. Just right now, uh, per NFLpenalties.com, teams are averaging 0 0.78 uh, holding, called holding penalties per game. Uh, so they're under a holding penalty per team per game. Uh, that is insane. Last year, it was like 1.37, and that was even down from from some other years. But it's usually around, you know, that, that 1.3 to 1.5 per team per game. There have been six teams this year that have not had uh, an enforced holding penalty called uh, against them through <laughs> three games. Um, that's you know, insane. Um, you know, four of those had a holding penalty, but something else happened on the play and it was declined. Uh, there have been you know, two teams, Houston and Baltimore, have not been called for holding at all yet. 
uh, through three games. So I, I think we're, we're seeing that, especially when you have, you know, a team like Baltimore so often, uh, just, you know, running uh, on the ground. Uh, everything's, you know, go, goes through the run. And that's usually where we see a lot of these holding penalties are, are on these uh, are on these run plays. I think we see, you know, rushing holding uh, way more often than we do on passing plays. Um, and when you have, you know, a team like Baltimore who can, you know, scheme their runs up with either you know Lamar Jackson or one of their nine running backs uh, and you're not getting holding on any of those you're, you're going to see bigger plays and I think that's that's kind of what we're seeing um you know but on the other end of that spectrum the Giants are one of those teams that uh, have not been called for holding and that has not helped them uh at all so um <laughs> we'll we'll see there there's there's a is back and forth and, and we'll I think the interesting thing is to keep a watch here is since it like kind of does seem like it was a, a mandate from the league, like only call this if you are, you know, it, it's clear and obvious. Um, if we get further into the season and the NFL starts to think that's a problem, I, I think we could possibly see them be like, okay, you can start calling holding again and then maybe we'll, we'll get back to normal. So I think that's, that's something we want to watch. If this is, you know, a, a mandated type of thing, um, it, it might not last all season, but right now, uh, scoring is is up, and I think it's been a fun product to watch. You watch you know, red zone; there have been a, a ton of touchdowns. Um, we have to kind of hope that's the case this week, because for as much fun as we had talking about the games last week, um, that I don't think that's going to be the case this week. There are significantly uh, fewer um, really interesting and exciting games uh, this week. We now have you know one fewer with. Uh, with the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game uh, being postponed uh, till later in the season. Um, so, guys, uh, what, what are you looking for uh, this week? What are, what are we interested in seeing? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, Seattle-Miami is just supremely on my radar because it's oh. the, the bonanza game. You know, like I said, every Seahawks game is. Uh, and the Seahawks, you know, they're probably going to have Jamal Adams. Uh, their secondary, you know, we talked about it last week. We just talked about how they built that team, you know, built it on coverage first. And they bypass pass rush. They're not rushing the passer right now, and they're not able to cover anyone. Quentin Dunbar, Trey Flowers have both been horrendous to start the year, and they've had the most passing yardage in NFL history through three games. I mean, opposing quarterbacks have 56, 47, and 62 dropbacks against them. What's amazing is that they don't even have a ton of dropbacks because Russ is so good. We've talked about them letting Russ cook, and like him cooking is isn't like adding a bunch of attempts. It's just because he's been so good with the attempts he's getting. Um, he's just forcing other teams to, you know, kind of play catch up. So, I mean, that game is going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to see what the, you know, the Dolphins, you know, do in that game. And, and if it Fitzpatrick, like we can actually count on him or we get to see Tua, but definitely that game. Um, but I think most of the games are more exciting from like a fantasy stance this week than they are probably from a real football stance. Cause you took a three and O matchup off the board with Tennessee and, and Pittsburgh. And we could have talked about that because, you know, Pittsburgh's the only three and O team that has played teams that don't have a win. And Tennessee's the only three and O team that is zero and three against the spread. So they probably aren't even as good as they are either. So that would have been interesting to talk about, but uh, looking across the board here, I mean, there are not a lot of like real life intriguing games. I mean, Chiefs Patriots does not carry the same cachet as it probably would have in previous years, but that is probably the most marquee game on Sunday. Um, but yeah, definitely Seahawks and Dolphins for me. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. And looking at uh, some of the numbers, Seattle has allowed the um, third uh, most explosive pass plays in the league and Miami's allowed the fifth most. Um, and so we know both uh, Russell Wilson and, you know, Fitzpatrick, who just doesn't care, um, you know, they're going to throw the ball deep a lot and take chances. So um, that should be a real fun one uh, for sure. I know a lot of the sharp guys are on Miami. 
it opened at seven. Uh, in a lot of places, it's sitting at six and a half, which you need a lot of sharp money to drop a line from a key number like seven down to six and a half. So uh, definitely a lot of people on Miami there. I get a little nervous with Seattle games. I made it a mandate, um, you know, that I'm going to avoid fading Russ in Seattle as much as I can this year because the last couple of years I've done it a lot because, as we talked about, all their games are close. They never really deserve to win a lot of those games, and Russ pulls them out, and somehow they end up covering. And so um, I, I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible. I know Miami is a smart play here, but I can also see just – you know, Russ just completely ripping apart that defense. And, you know, Fitzpatrick, you know, forcing some balls in and eventually getting a tip ball here or there or, or a fumble and uh, turning it over. Because as good as he, he was on Thursday, we've seen this before, he'll have a stretch where he just dominates and then all of a sudden we'll throw five picks the next week. So he's a little bit more of a wild card. But, um, but yeah, I know a lot of guys are on Miami there. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by the, the Dallas-Browns uh, game. Not because I'm a Browns fan, just because I think every – you know, as we talked about with Seattle, every Dallas game has been just tremendous, been fun, has been exciting. Um, it's kind of a clash of styles where Dallas is just going to try to throw the ball up and down the field on this Brown secondary, which has been really ravaged by injuries, although it sounds like they're getting a lot of their guys back. Um, Greedy Williams is questionable. He's really the biggest one who's questionable. Denzel Ward surprisingly played last week, even though he didn't practice on Fridays or on Friday, which typically, you know, almost always means you're not going to play. Uh, we played about 20 snaps in coverage. So um, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, I don't know if the Browns have the firepower um, just from a philosophy standpoint and a Baker Mayfield standpoint to keep up. You know, it's one thing to do it, you know, if you're Seattle with Russ, but, you know, Baker just isn't the type of guy right now in this league where, you know, he could just drop back 40 times and, I'm going to shred a defense. He's just going to, he's, he has to do the play action. He's kind of like Kirk Cousins in that way. Um, obviously coming from the uh, you know, Stefanski system last year. And Dallas surprisingly has been pretty good against the run so far. They're 10th best in success rate on defense, uh, uh, stopping the run. They've allowed the fourth fewest explosive runs, which, you know, against Chubb and Hunt, that's huge because those guys really rely. They're not efficient runners. They're just, they're big, big play runners, to be honest. I mean, Chubb has uh, torn off a bunch of big runs. Uh, but surprisingly, his success rate hasn't been that great. Um, so that will be interesting to see if the Browns can stick with that kind of run game focus, you know, mix in some play action, uh, and be able to slow down Dak and that offense enough uh, to keep up. I'm not sure they can. I, I wouldn't take the Browns here if I, I actually lean Dallas um, a little bit just because, you know, like I said, I'm not sure Baker could keep up. I could see this being like a 33 to – you know, 24 type game. So they can score some points, but I'm not sure they can, they can keep up with Dallas. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that one in particular, or if uh, Rich, do you think uh, Michael Gallup, we talked about Gallup last week as a guy to break out and he was, uh, he was that guy. Uh, I think CD lamb could be that guy this week, depending on who plays the slot for the, for the Browns. Yeah. It looks like he's not on the injury report after kind of not playing the back half of that game, because after that punt return, he took that hard hit on. I think the most intriguing part of that Dallas, the, you know, Browns game is not just the contracts of style, but you know, in week one, Dak Prescott was under pressure, you know, the third highest rate of any quarterback. And then the past two weeks they played Atlanta and Seattle and he hasn't had to deal with any pressure at all. So it's going to be interesting to see because that offensive line has not played well. We saw the move of Zach Martin to right tackle at the end of that game. Uh, and he actually, he actually performed kind of well there, um, but they've just been grasping to try to fill holes in that offensive line. And they face two teams that don't really rush the passer, but the, the most, 
the most biggest uh, attribute the Browns have defensively is the defensive line, you know, with, you know, Claiborne and, you know, Olivier Vernon and obviously Miles Garrett's been awesome to start the year. So to me, that's going to be an interesting dynamic because Pre- Prescott in the second half of that Rams game was not good when they were just in his, in his pocket the entire time. Uh, so that's probably the one like intriguing part is if Dallas can just drop back as much as they have, or they do have to play, you know, a little more ball control against that Browns defense, just because that matches up the Browns have had, you know, two nice wins, but they were trailing in the fourth quarter against the Washington football team. Uh, even though, you know, they, they came, came strong at Dwayne Haskins. I don't know how much life Dwayne Haskins has left, uh, you know, from, from Ron Rivera here, how much rope he's got left with the way he played Sunday. It was his first like interceptions, like dating back to last year, but Ooh, it was rough, man. It was, it was a rough go there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I know Tyron Smith is obviously a huge loss. He hasn't played the last couple of games. Sounds like he has a better shot of playing this week. So obviously huge against miles Garrett, um, as you mentioned. So um, that's going to be, that's definitely going to be a fun one. I will say one game I did better already. Um, I do have a, a play on the chargers plus seven and a half uh, in Tampa. Um, and you know, yeah, I was on Carolina last week. I didn't think Herbert deserved to be such a big favorite right off the bat, um, in his you know, second start. And, you know, they almost pulled that off anyway, uh, winning the game at the end. But uh, I just think that chargers are one of those teams where if you're getting a decent amount of points, um, as an underdog, they're a good play. We saw what they did against the chiefs. Um, you know, they keep games close. They historically have always done that. I mean, two of their last 13 losses have, have been by more than seven. That's the, that's the only two, um, you know, obviously I know different quarterback, but that's the kind of the, the, the style that Anthony Lynn wants to play. He wants to play close to the vest, keep games close. So I don't love them as favorites, but I like them as a, as an underdog of over a touchdown and no Chris Godwin here, uh, here is pretty huge. I think he's one of, uh, probably the top most valuable receivers in the NFL just because of how good he is after the catch. Um, he has such an advantage in the slot. Um, now, no Chris Harris is a bother for, for the Chargers, but he has actually played well this year. And without Godwin, they kind of, you know, they kind of negate each other. Um, Tampa's allowed the fourth uh, highest target share to running backs this year and are 23rd in, in yards per attempt allowed. So I think Eckler has a shot to do some damage here uh, out of the backfield. We saw what he did last week. Got over 10 catches um, and bear with me a little bit, but some transient property uh, when it comes to the lines, because this is a good kind of gut check for me to see if this line's inflated. So week two, Tampa was an eight and a half point favorite over Carolina, right at home. Um, and they barely covered that game last week. The Chargers were six and a half point favorites at home against Carolina. Um, now, no McCaffrey. So maybe you make a slight adjustment there, but essentially the market was telling you that Tampa was about a two to two and a half point um, better than uh, the Chargers, just based on that alone. Um, and yeah, Tampa looked great against a horrible Denver team, uh, and the Chargers lost to Carolina. That's still a, a five and a half point adjustment here um, from last week. So I think you're getting some value uh, on the Chargers. I think Herbert will play better. Um, and I think the Chargers defense is good enough to you know, slow down the Bucks without Godwin. So to me, th- that's a good number here at, at seven and a half. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see because, you know, Tampa Bay has, you know, it, it kind of feels like they were one of those offenses that we looked at week one. It was you know, shaky, but we kind of said it was a, you know, a Tom Brady in a new offense kind of get, getting back together. And I think we've kind of seen them, you know, 
each week has progressed a little more. The timing has looked uh, a little better. Um, and so you know, we'll see. And the, and the Chargers, you know, is some of that defense that they're going to be able to, you know, get pressure with that front four still, um, even without uh, Melvin Ingram, who's, who's still on IR. Um, but uh, Chris Harris uh, just went down. So if that defense is being, you know, plucked away uh, piece by piece. Uh, let's just stop giving the Chargers nice things uh, because uh, they – they don't know what to do with them, and and, and they're they're gone. They spend uh, too much of the season on IR. So uh, no more nice defensive players for the Chargers. They're not allowed anymore. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see. So even with you know Tampa Bay banged up a little bit without Chris Godwin, they'll match up against the Chargers defense that, that's still a little banged up. And I think this this Buccaneers defense is is getting a, a little better also there kind of you know they were you know a top five defense in, in DVOA oh, last year, and I think they're they're starting to pick up there uh, again this year um you know they've been you know been solid against the run they still have you know sue and and via there they're second in defensive dvoa through uh three weeks now so i think they'll they'll be able to pick up um i think their their outside corners uh have been good uh even with uh you know murphy bunting uh, has been hurt but i think jamel dean has has been really good as he's you know kind of gone in so um you know, Tampa Bay is just one of those teams I'm just uh, continually expecting to to get better uh, throughout the year, and I think that's that's starting to happen. I think one game I'm kind of uh, interested in um, uh, because it's just uh, two very uh, strange quarterbacks, and and we'll see what's going on. And the number one team in DVOA right now through three weeks, the Indianapolis Colts uh, against the Chicago Bears. You know, I think we kind of had a lot of people had this, you know, view my Chicago of, Bears. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been looking at, the, at our wins totals and woo boy, am I, am I far behind everybody here? Um, but uh, so the, the Indianapolis Colts, I think we had this, some people had this picture uh, in their heads of them, of, of this, you know, team that, it was not good after you know the the week one loss to Jacksonville. We figured J- Jacksonville just might be a little better than we expected. You know they might not be good, but just not the worst team in the league. Uh, and then Indianapolis, you know, came back and, and had two uh, impressive games against against Minnesota, where they completely shut them down. And then you know they played the Jets, which you know you, you play the Jets, you play well, but you know the the interceptions, the pick sixes. Um, so we've seen a, a team that can completely beat up. Uh, on some bad teams and um, on defense there, I think they're going to be kind of this you know, bend don't break um, type of defense. That's going to be able to take advantage of, uh, of, you know, turnover opportunities. And they're going to make the most of that. We saw that against the jets and now they're going against Nick Foles. So, and as much as we saw, you know, Nick Foles rally and, and the come from behind, he had some God awful throws um, in that game that should have absolutely been intercepted uh, before he led that comeback on that final drive. I think against almost any other defense besides Atlanta, uh, Foles would have had, you know, two interceptions uh, in, in the time. That one he threw to Jimmy Graham, that one he threw to Jimmy Graham, like three Falcons ran into each other. Absolutely insane. It looks like a Madden glitch. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, Foles was not nearly a- as good as, uh, you know, his final stat line and the comfort behind victory in Atlanta seemed last week. Um, so I-, I think against, you know, the Colts who are going to be able to put pressure on, they're going to have, you know, some of that ball hawking in, in that secondary. And, you know, that that offense uh, is is good. You know, Phillip Rivers has been great. And again, we kind of look at that that last drive against the Jaguars where he threw the interception and just, oh, oh my God, the old Phillip Rivers. Uh, is still here, but he's, he 
he's been great. One of the best, um, you know, quarterbacks from a clean pocket um, this year. Uh, he's tops in, in EPA, uh, factoring out garbage time. So, you know, Philip Rivers has been really good, even when, you know, cycling through some of the uh, issues they've had at wide receiver um, with injuries, you know, uh, Pittman's gone, uh, you know, Paris Campbell's gone, but you know he's been able to find just enough with T.Y. Hilton. The, the running backs have gotten uh, just about um, involved, um, you know, just enough. You know, Naheem Himes hasn't been you know at week one involved, but they've still gotten efficiency there. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, you know, coming out of nowhere to be a breakout tight end and, and a really good you know passing threat there. So I think there's just enough there. That offensive line is still really good. Um, so I, I just kind of want to see if Indianapolis can continue to put this. Uh, together, I think, you know, the Bears, you know, it, if there's a flimsier 3-0 and in the league right now, um, <laughs> I think you'd be hard, hard pressed to find it. Um, so I think that that's, that's a fascinating matchup because I think Indianapolis could just be really good. Um, and I'd like to see if that's going to continue to go forward. How many 3-0 and teams have made a quarterback change in week three? Like, our, like, in, like the history of the NFL? It can't be many. Uh, it, no. it can't. And I don't know how many three and O teams, you know, and it's not even like it was, you know, the, the injured starter to the better starter. We're talking about Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles here. I mean, it was, Um, and yeah, I just, I I can't get the image of some of those Foles just like should have been interceptions. Well, Denver Um, too, we, we, you and I had talked in the off season that we thought like Denver's backup quarterback situation, that the the fact that they were just going all in on Drew Locke without addressing it was one of the biggest mistakes of the off season. And now they're on their third quarterback in four games. Um, you know, Jameis, Jameis Winston was available. It's not just all about Cam Newton. You know, there were guys available to these teams that had really sketchy quarterback situations, and they're in the weeds right now. I mean, Denver is completely in the weeds, uh, and they've had some injuries that, you know, have not favored them as well, like some of these other teams. But when you're on Brett Ripien, and you, there was actually, like, a, a conversation probably had, like, we might even see Bortles next week. I mean, that's not even, a, like, a, a non-zero chance, which could be insane. But uh, for the Broncos to come in, and it wasn't Drew Locke's fault by play. It was by injury. But their backup situation was a nightmare coming in, and it's already kind of borne out to kind of be a hindrance for them. Yeah, I think with the, this game is interesting, the Colts-Bears game, um, because how do you judge the Colts, um, you know, when you play Jacksonville, a bad Minnesota team, and um, and the Jets? Like, you know, you see their numbers. Their numbers look great on defense. You know, the DVOA being number one, I, don't, I mean, it's not schedule adjusted, and you can't really schedule adjust yet, right, because not enough data. So I'm curious to see this game. I mean, I, this is a game I, I personally, from a betting standpoint, will stay away from. Um, I do see that, uh, surprisingly, the Bears have been kind of bad on defense, especially stopping the run. Um, they've allowed the third most explosive run plays uh, in the NFL so far. Um, so maybe you get some Jonathan Taylor love um, if you could break one or two off. But um, I'm curious to see what they do at receiver because, you know, now you've got no Paris Campbell and no um, Michael Pittman, who I really like. You got to rely on a guy like Zach Pascal. Are you going to go more two tight end sets? Uh, you know, is uh, Trey Burton supposedly uh, could play? And I like him. A revenge as a, game. A Trey Burton revenge game. Oh, there you go. I, I think he's always been one of those guys that like just looks good, right? He just he play he, he just kind of stands out, but he doesn't always put it together. So um, Mo Alley Cox has been great. Um, you still got Jack Doyle. So curious to see if they just make this more of a run heavy offense, and they just say, look, we've been running the ball, and our line is great probably best in the league. 
Um, maybe we just just run the ball down the throats of uh, these defenses with you know mixing some Phil Rivers and and that's how we play without you know until we have uh, some of these receivers back. So I'll be curious to see how that game uh, flows. But I think it'll be I think it's going to come down to the last possession, just kind of how Rivers is and how you know the, kind of the style of Nick Foles plays and um, you know both these teams are kind of um, you know not ones that I typically think are, you know, big blowout teams um, when, you know, there's some competitive uh, opponents on the other side. So um, should be an interesting one. Um, but I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on, because I know, Dan, you talked about the Saints and Drew Brees a little bit this week. Um, you know, Saints-Lions, I'm tempted to take Detroit here. You know, I was all over the Lions last week. That was just a pure slam dunk, you know, overinflated line with, with the Cardinals. I talked all about it last week and, you know, they come out with the outright victory. Um, they still tried to blow it at the end, but, uh, but somehow survived. got a couple of interceptions off of a uh, Kyler Murray, um, but they still can't. They actually were one of the teams that had a holding call come back on them. Yeah, that uh, is true on that, that bomb, <laughs> that beautiful throw by Stafford yeah. uh, that almost cost them. They scored anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like maybe, and look, if you're Stafford, I don't know if the the Lions have an analytics staff. I don't think you need an analytics staff. It's kind of common sense, like just toss some deep balls and hope that they're, they're, you know, contested plays and you get some PIs. Like maybe that's how this game is decided. Uh, but you know, the, the Lions defense is still horrific. I mean, they put zero pressure on the quarterback. So, um, you know, is Breeze just going to dink, even though he's going short, he's just going to dink and dunk them to death with Kamara and Cook and, um, you know, potentially Michael Thomas back. I'm curious to know, uh, Dan, if you had any additional thoughts on, on the Saints offense, because I know you uh, discussed it this week. Yeah, so I just wrote about Breeze this week, and I think the, the key is going to be whether Michael Thomas is back and how healthy he is, because as much as we've you know, the discussion has kind of been about Breeze uh, and his arm strength and whether he can push the ball deep. I mean, that, that really hasn't been what New Orleans was built around. Like, they, they haven't been a, a deep offense. Uh, it's not like this was, you know, a Matt Stafford Lions team that was pushing the ball deep and, and suddenly throwing the ball, you know, three yards beyond the line of scrimmage. You know, this was a, a Drew Brees Saints team that, that was built on the short passes. Um, but I, the, what's really the big difference is, you know, without – Michael Thomas, the effectiveness of those short passes, it's just uh, completely um, just, you know, taking a, a nosedive. Um, so I wrote about that this week, you know, Drew Brees, his, his passes from one to 10 air yards, which is just one to 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, his completion percentage in the past two years was uh, 80.3% in both. It's down to 70.2% this year. So that's, that's a 10% drop off. That's huge. His EPA per play was 0.27 in uh, 2018, 0.35 in 2019. It's 0.08. Uh, this year. Uh, the positive play percentage, which is just, you know, the percentage of plays with positive EPA, um, 65.8% in 2018, a league leading 67.2% in 2019. That's down to 52.6% this year. And that's one of the worst in the league. So uh, one of the things is, you know, they were able to build around those short passes because they were uh, effective on, on almost 70% of plays, which is, you know, an outlier, but they were built for that. Um, they were built for the ball to be moved that way. So now without Michael Thomas, they've, you know, changed those Thomas passes to Kamara passes, which, you know, can lead to, you know, the the broken tackles and some of the touchdowns uh, that we saw, but they're just uh, on, you know, an efficiency wise, they're not the same. Uh, Kamara's only has a a 50% success rate on those uh, short passes this year. So, 
if they're, they're not able to get that, you know, huge efficiency and production they had on, on the short passing game. And that's made the deep passing game a, a bigger problem because they, they don't have that. And they, they, but they were never built around that. I think the problem is they, they're not able to make those short passes as successful as they were. And so if, you know, Michael Thomas returned to practice, but he was limited, uh, I think the key is going to be what this offense looks like when he comes back. And I also found out, you know, per Sports Info Solutions, when Thomas isn't on the field, um, defenses this year have haven't been playing man coverage as much uh, against them. They've been playing zone, just kind of letting them drop back and say, go ahead, throw the short passes. We'll just make the tackle uh, and we'll dare you to, to beat us deep, find the hole in our zone. And right now New Orleans just isn't able to do that. So it's just, it's, you know, so many different problems going into one. It's not just that Breeze can't throw deep or he's unwilling to, both of which are, are true right now uh, on passes um, beyond uh, 11 yards uh, beyond the line of scrimmage. Breeze has the, the fourth lowest uh, on target rate uh, for Sports Info Solutions. So, so that's, that's not great. That's only better than Drew Locke, Carson Wentz, and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, that's not really where you want Drew Breeze to be. Um, but I think if they can up that success on those short passes, once Michael Thomas gets back, whenever that is, I think we'll start to see what, um, what this Saints offense is, is supposed to look like. And if it's still looking like it does right now, then I think is when we can have that big concern. Uh, but right now, I think that Thomas is just the piece that offense really revolves around. So without him, I think that they, they just completely lose everything they, they've been built around because they're just, they're not an offense structured to take advantage of that that deep ball, even the intermediate routes. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders isn't that guy. He was supposed to be, you know, that number two behind Michael Thomas. Um, he's not going to be the guy who's, who's going to be that dominant ball catcher. You know, you have Traquan Smith who, who can get open, but, you know, he just wasn't worked into the offense, um, you know, beforehand. So I think they're still working on that. I think they can be a little more creative with Deontay Harris. Um, I think once they open up some more things there, I think this kind of like now the, that Tampa Bay offense, I think we're going to see them kind of build and figure out what they need to do going forward um and you know e even at one and two uh, i wrote this at the end of the article they're, they're not out of it so they have time you know football outsiders has them as a 64.1 percent chance to make the playoffs 538 has them at 58 percent. so you know they shouldn't be in panic mode yet but i think if we get you know a few weeks down the line michael thomas isn't 100 percent. this offense still looks like it does um then then it, i think it's, it's really time to panic but right now i'd like to see what this offense looks like with thomas and i think they still have time to, to figure out some ways to to make some of these shorter passes and that, and that quick game more effective. If they don't start yeah, stopping people, it's not going to matter. I mean, that's the, I mean, we could talk about how Breeze has regressed. If not, I mean, they, you scored 30 points and, and weren't even, and didn't really have a, sh have a shot to win the game. I mean, they're, they haven't stopped anyone for two weeks in a row. I mean, opponents have scored on 55% of their possessions against them. It's the sixth highest rate in the league. Last year it was 35%. Uh, their biggest problem is, is, is playing defense still. And if they're not going to stop people, I mean, because they're still scoring points even through this regression. They scored 24 points against the Raiders and 30 points last week. They haven't been able to stop anybody. Um, so, I mean, that, that's where they have to rebound. rebound. I mean, we, we, yeah, we want Michael Thomas back and see what the offense looks like. But this defense we thought was one of the deeper defenses in the league, and they've been a train wreck the past two weeks. Yeah, 28th in, in pressure rate. Um, and as I mentioned before, they're committing just an insane number of defensive pass interference calls. <laughs> those are just those are just as good as, you know, and those are, from what I remember, like longer, deeper balls. I mean, it's just like a, completing a long pass. So, yeah, and, and it, that's the problem. Like, maybe we should look at the over here. I mean, I'm starting to think, um, you know, Detroit is dead last in pressure rate. So even though they're struggling, you know, Breeze isn't going deep, he could still pick you apart. 
Um, not he's not necessarily going to pick you apart, but Kamara is going to pick you apart um, in the pass game. And I think I saw wasn't the uh, you know Breeze has seen by far the most yak yards um, in the NFL oh, among yeah. any quarterback. It's not well, Kamara's been bonkers. Like yeah, and Detroit <laughs> is one of the worst teams in the NFL in tackling. They don't tackle anybody. Um, so that might be one to take a look at from a, from a total perspective. Um, and then, like I said, maybe Stafford just takes some shots and they commit some uh, pass interference penalties. Um, Imagine if Thomas does play and, you know, you know, Jeff Rakuda is really, he had the interception last week, but he has struggled, but he's literally going to start his NFL career, potentially facing oh. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. <laughs> so bad for him. I mean, he's a, I think he's a stud and he played much better last week, but yeah, had the interception, but he was winded too. I mean, he had the, Get out, he left the, the game because he was too tired. Um, and that's what happens when you're a rookie and you're playing, you know, preseason. Um, you're limited in training camp because of the injury. You missed the first week. I mean, it's that's a tough spot. Yeah, so uh, maybe and they'll Dan just play it, uh, And Dan's seen it his way with the Giants. I mean, these, these guys that play these skill positions that are high draft picks, you know, offensive tackle and, you know, cornerback. I mean, it's it, you don't always just come in and just light it up. You know, we've seen that with a lot of guys over the year. Like Jake Matthews had, was a horrendous ro- rookie. And then, you know, he kind of bounced back. And, you know, we're seeing that with Thomas uh, for, the, for the Giants right now, too. He struggled out of the gates. But these guys, those guys, that you, it's still early in their careers. It takes long build. And, yeah, I can't think of a, a better way to throw your, you know, feet in the fire than just facing those receivers right out of the box, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got one more game for you guys. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on uh, the Cardinals-Panthers. Um, like, you know, obviously I mentioned I was on the Lions last week. The Cardinals, Kyle Murray was terrible last week. And, you know, he's this whole MVP conversation is still boggles my mind. I mean, it's like I know he can run the ball, and he's he's kind of survived that way. But he's been atrocious uh, in uh, throwing the ball. I mean, he's dead last by a mile um, when under pressure. His QB rating is like a 17. I think Daniel Jones is is second worst at like 40. So it's not even close. Um, he's kind of saved his his offense just by you know through his feet. He's making great plays running the ball, but. You know, he's not been throwing the ball well, um, and that's obviously the biggest issue for this Carolina defense is stopping stopping the pass. Um, you know, I'm curious, anything you guys have seen from the Cardinals that uh, would make you want to take them as a three-and-a-half-point favorite here on the road? I mean, again, their defense isn't great. Buda Baker, you know, I know he had surgery on his, on his thumb or finger, I believe. I'm not sure if he's playing or not. Their backup safety is out. Um, you know, their defense isn't great in general. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is what just a guy that covers all the time. Um, so I can see even if, you know, they don't win this game, they have a shot to cover late with a backdoor touchdown. Um, you know, anything from the Cardinals that you've seen offensively that, uh, that I'm missing here, I just don't, um, there's something going, something uh, off with Kyler a little bit, um, when it comes to the passing game. Yeah. I kind of think right now they're, uh, they're another offense is still kind of, you know, figuring out you know, what they're doing right now. It's kind of the, the 2019 Cardinals offense plus DeAndre Hopkins lined yeah. up uh, isolated to, <laughs> to the left. Um, and if, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like something is going to be schemed open, you know, on the right side where they either have, you know, a trips or, or something, then it's just, you know, let's just throw it to Hopkins and, and see what happens. So right now it's not you know, completely a, a smooth passing game. And then it's still, uh, 
they don't have that, you know, secondary receiving weapon um, that that's really opening things up. So they're, they're overly relying on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and that's not, you know, super efficient. That's not leading into Brandy Isabella, Isabella, local kid. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's, I think starting to come. And I think he's that big play threat if there is one. Um, but he's still not getting, you know, a lot of run. I, I'm not sure if he's, you know, that guy you're going to rely on as that number two. Um, so I think they're, they're still looking for that piece. And I think that that ends up being overly reliant on, on DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, that's still, uh, you know, a, a lot of slants, a lot of comebacks and, and, and that's working. That's been effective. Um, but that's not leading to a lot of big plays uh, in the passing game because um, Hopkins isn't really, you know, running deep often. And, and there's still just not that other element there um, that, that, that can play complement to that. Um, you know, they're, they're, they can use the, the tight ends a little bit, but you know, it's, they, it's, it's Max Williams, it's Dan Arnold. It's not, you know, th- those aren't the, the type of guys you, you want to be, you know, running up the seam. The, those aren't, you know, the, the big play type of tight ends. And you have, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, who's, you know, you know, fine, but you know, Larry Fitzgerald's 90 years old at this point. He's, he's not, you know, a big play threat either. Um, he's basically, you know, a third tight end on the field when they're, you know, playing 12. Um, the uh the, we gotta pull the Keyshawn Johnson experiment, man. Like it's it's killing me. Yeah, you know, last, I mean last week double on routes. This guy has forty nine career targets and has caught twenty three of them. Like he's just killing their offense. Yeah, it's one of those things when when they drafted last year, they they took a lot of swings at wide receiver mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of hoped, you know, something would happen. You know, the, the Keaton Butler thing didn't happen. Uh, the Keyshawn Johnson thing just it's not happening. Andy Isabella is starting to get that run a little bit. He had like one or two big plays last year. Uh, he's had some night, you know, nice deep balls uh, this year. I think they, they need to, you know, st- kind of stop with the slot fade um, that that's uh, I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury tick that that he really enjoys. And it's just the the percentage there it's just it's it's not high enough for for that to keep working but you know i i have you know confidence in in them figuring it out but right now i still just i don't think they have the pieces and that was kind of you know part of the holdup where or kyler was probably going to be good enough and i think you know part of that even when he is struggling you know, with throwing the ball and it's not, you know, super efficient. He does have his legs. And that was part of, you know, what was in the MVP debate or, or why we thought, you know, Kyler could possibly take that leap. Uh, but, you know, Rich and I had, had talked about this earlier in the season of how often they were, you know, throwing the ball short. They didn't really have a deep passing game. And I think that's still kind of, you know, what we're seeing. They have now a, a much more efficient receiver um, as that number one. And, and Hopkins has been able to bail them out a little bit, uh, but they still just, it, it, they still don't have that big play passing, um, you know, uh, option. And I think that's kind of what's holding them back a little bit. It's kind of, it's still, it's Hopkins or nothing now. Um, and, and I think they need to figure out how that's going to work in, in order for Kyler to really have that, those passing numbers that that's going to be able to carry that passing game. But, uh, but until then, you know, he does have his legs. He's been, been a much better runner. I mean, we're talking about Akuda. He uh, completely just uh, juked Akuda out, out of his, out of his shoes uh, last week on that, on that rushing touchdown. Um, you know, he, he's still one of those guys right now. He's, he's in that Lamar Jackson level where even when the defense is, uh, you know, guesses right on, on where Murray is going on the ground, 
it, it, they're still wrong because Murray can, can run right by them. And I, I think we've seen that. I think that's an element of the game that's, that's going to be able to you know, carry Murray and this Arizona offense you know, through the rest of the season. Like we said, they, they don't have a, a tough schedule um, you know, for, for most of uh, the year. So I think they're going to be able to carry around uh, there. But, you know, in the development in passing, I, I think, you know, the, the process is okay with Kyler, I think. And, but they just, they don't have, you know, those, those secondary pieces um, that that are, that are allowing that offense to, to really grow in the passing game. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So, you know, I agree. I agree with all those points. Like I said, I, I was joking with it about the Isabella thing. It just seems like, I think he's run like, hasn't he gotten like 20 targets and like half of them are touchdown. I mean, some crazy number where, you know, he's just producing, but yeah, like you said, it's tough to uh, a guy like that um, to be. Arizona Jeff Janis now. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, that's, I will. I am curious to see how they bounce back this week. This is um, should be a spot that they should win, but uh, you know, with a young team like this, you never know. Uh, and like I said, I think Carolina is just one of those teams. That's your team, Dan. They're they're fun. They're just kind of fun. They're, they always hang around. They don't get blown out a lot. Um, and I think they're they're kind of hanging in there. And I think it's gonna be that's gonna be a kind of under the radar kind of fun game um between those two so i'm definitely looking forward to that one but yeah yeah i i agree with that and i, I kind of i wrote about the them a, a little bit in uh in first and ten this week i uh, just you know it, it, this probably isn't the way you would want to you know build a rebuilding roster if you were you know ideally doing it i, I don't think they're bad enough to to bottom out and you know have the number one pick um but they're they're doing fun things and i think they they've put some pieces together uh i shared a clip on twitter of just you know some of the the fun things they're doing on offense like they, they figure out how to use robbie anderson um you know using his speed uh off the line um, and just getting him on like some, some quick shallow crossers and getting him into space. Um, that's, that's blowing Adam Gase's mind. He's like, you could do that. Um, so I think they had, you know, three plays against the Chargers where they just had Robbie Anderson, like quick crossers off the line that, you know, each one of them went for over 10 yards. Um, that's just, you know, a, a design thing they're using to get Robbie Anderson's speed, get him into space, get him the ball, um, instead of just sending him 30 yards down the field and, and hoping for the best, which is what, you know, his Jets career was. Um, so I, you like some of the process there. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not going to be a great team. And I think that is going to be uh, a fun game. I think uh, one game I think we do have to talk about is, is the Patriots and Chiefs. I, I am interested in that, especially after what the Chiefs did um, on Monday night uh, against Baltimore. Um, we we kind of, you know, talked about that last week. And uh, the Chiefs were kind of this team that, you know, through two weeks, it kind of looked like their offense was still, you know, figuring it out. They had some training wheels on, the short passes, and then, you know, they, they went full Chiefs. Um, on Monday night, they had the, the the shovel pass. They they came out in that in that quad um, <laughs> uh, that quad stack. Um, so uh, Andy Reid went went full Andy Reid. So I think they're in a full groove. The, the Patriots defense, as we expected, is not the Patriots defense of 2019. They're they're giving up some big plays. Uh, even though Stephon Gilmore, um, it is not the you know the the lockdown corner uh, he was. I mean, still very good. Um, but we've seen him be able to be beat a, a little more and without some of those other pieces. You know. They, Chase Winovich has been really good, but but right now they're not you know they're not the the dominant Patriots, and I'm not sure if we have you know a dominant defense this year. So we're going to see need to be seeing what these offenses uh, can do. And the Chiefs right now they look like the Chiefs. Uh, the Patriots 
We'll see. And uh, I think what, what was interesting uh, last week was that this was the first time we saw Cam not play very well. Um, uh, he you know, had okay production on the ground. The, the passing was, was just not there. Uh, but they were able to you know, build some misdirection in the actual running game. They had some big plays with Sony Michelle. Um, and you know you've you know, schemed up really well if you have Sony Michelle running for like 40 yards um, at a clip. Um, because he just consistently looks like he's the slowest guy on the field. It looks like he's running in, in slow motion. Uh, so you, you know you're schemed up when you, when you got big uh, running plays um, schemed up for him. Uh, so I think this could possibly be, you know, the proverbial, like, the kitchen sink game where, you know, these two offenses are just kind of throwing whatever they can uh, at them. I think the, the Chiefs have been a much better defense than, than we could have uh, expected, um, especially even with some of their injuries. You know, they were missing uh, cornerbacks. They were missing Traverius Ward for, for a bit. Uh, now they're missing uh, Darius Sneed, um, uh, who went down. So, uh, but I think the Patriots are going to be a team where if you're missing some guys in the secondary, that's not really going to be an issue. I think right now, Julian Edelman is the one receiver um, in the league with more than um, 50% of the team's uh, intended air yards, uh, which is, is a sentence I never thought I would say. <laughs> uh, but I think that goes to how the, the Patriots passing game is structured right now but I think if they can you know get Cam back on the move uh, and and open some things up uh, in that passing game I think this is just going to be you know you know two of the best head coaches uh, in the league right now uh, two very good offensive minds when you throw Josh McDaniels in there so I I think this is just going to be you know a punch counterpunch game uh, that I'm really going to be interested in watching. I'm curious to see how New England plays this again just like last week with Baltimore we thought that you know oh big matchup uh, you know uh, mismatch Baltimore's run game versus the Chiefs' run defense has been terrible, and the Ravens just didn't really stick to the to the run. Now they were down early, so you kind of have to flip the script when that happens. They still averaged seven and a half yards per carry against the Chiefs. So if New England could just kind of hold off, um, hold you know hold down Mahomes a little bit uh, in the first quarter, or at least first half, and can stick to the game plan and run the ball as much as they can, kind of pound it. It's still the number one, uh, DVOA run offense versus the 30th ranked DVOA run defense. So, you know, it's not like they're, that mismatch still isn't there. You just have to be able to, to slow them down enough on defense. Yeah, you to, gotta get stops, man. You, you gotta get stops. And also you have to not blitz, uh, memo to John Harbaugh mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Wink Martindale. Like <laughs> how many times do we have to see, Mahomes just shred the blitz. And I mean, we've, I, I, I wrote an article for the super, you know, for the super bowl and a million people have talked about this. Just uh, Mahomes is great either way. Right. But his splits against teams that are, are blitz heavy versus teams like the chargers who never blitz yeah, are night and day. Zone. Yeah. It, they play soft zone. You let you, you, you know, you kind of pick your poison and you force him to keep everything underneath. Um, you, you don't want to blitz and send the house and just have all your, all those fast receivers, go one-on-one and then all he has to do is just avoid one rusher and you know he can throw at any arm angle 60 yards downfield across his body you can't stop that when you're sending everybody and you're playing one-on-one against those receivers so you know I I think Belichick is smart enough to know this Um, he's obviously faced Mahomes a bunch of times um, and they've done a good job against him and you know they typically are kind of middle of the pack in terms of kind of blitz rate so I, I would expect to see a lot more of uh, the kind of the, the softer zone coverage than I would, uh, you know, uh, sending the house here. So I think from that perspective, you got a better, you're going to have a better game plan uh, on defense. And, you know, if they can just, like I said, to get some stops and, and can stick to the run and just kind of pound the run game as much as possible and mix in some, some play action to Edelman and, and uh, 
um, and see what happens here. So I think this will be a fun game. The spread opened up eight. It's now seven. I know, again, some sharps are on the Patriots. And how funny just our perception of the Chiefs change, which is just ridiculous um, because you go from before the season, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl team, <clears throat> nice cover against Houston. Uh, and then they look terrible against the Chargers, uh, barely, you know, beating a rookie quarterback. And everyone all of a sudden jumps off the bandwagon and is saying, you know, I, all I heard were, were the Ravens were going to roll all over the Chiefs. They're three and a half point underdogs with no home field advantage. It's just, you know, looking back, I mean, it's hindsight now, but kind of insane when you step back and think about that. Um, and now they're, you know, a touchdown favorite over the Patriots who played, you know, fairly well so far. So um, it's kind of a roller coaster from perception wise. I think, um, you know, if I had to lean, it would be the Patriots and I may end up taking them at the end of the day. But again, just like I don't want to fade Seattle and Russ. I hate fading Mahomes as you know, for the life of me. But um, if I can at least get a score, you know, one score kind of cushion, um, I'll feel a little bit better about it. But it uh, should be a good game, I think, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's probably the best matchup we have uh, on, on, on the card here. Um, you know, Bill's Raiders might be the interesting but you know the Raiders are going to be out uh, in Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs so I think that uh, takes away a lot of uh, the intrigue there uh, especially for a, a team that's not going to be you know throwing deep uh, anyway um, you know Eagles and 49ers is our Sunday night uh, matchup uh, I'm subjecting anyone to watching the Eagles in prime time right now uh, probably not a great idea um, and then you know the Falcons and Packers are our Monday night game um, you know Falcons defense against Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, just uh, take the over for the Packers alone. Um, I do I have think one. With- I do have. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. One comment with that game because I forgot to mention this. So we talked. We've talked about trends almost every week, and an interesting Week Four trend is uh, since 2003, teams that are 0 and 3, or sorry, teams that are 3 and 0 against the spread entering the week, and Green Bay is one of them, uh, um, as well as Seattle, uh, are 0 and or sorry, 39 percent. 39% against the spread in week four. So if you're three and oh, you've looked great. You've covered every week, week four step on the field and you're 39% against the spread last year is Oh, and four. Uh, and there's three outright losses. Um, so Seattle and green Bay are those teams this week. So just a, just a word to the wise, just be careful. Uh, if you're, you know, want to back green Bay and you want to back Seattle, um, you know, the, that, that kind of week four trend is there. Um, but, uh, you know, these lines get inflated in Atlanta. Yeah, their Atlanta's defense is a mess. Their secondary is just atrocious. Um, so it could just be a, a bomb fest for Aaron Rodgers, especially if Devontae Adams can play. But um, yeah, I think Atlanta might be able to, to stick around um, and cover that number just because that's what they do. A lot of garbage points, a lot of fourth quarter uh, uh, comebacks. So, um, you know, we'll see if, they, if they're not demoralized enough after the last couple of weeks to, to try and, uh, and, and win this game on Monday night. But um, I would just say be careful just based on based on historical trends there. Yeah, we'll see. This, this kind of feels like a, a, the annual Dan Quinn coaching for his job game. Uh, it's coming a little earlier this year, but it, it kind of seems like the Falcons always uh, turn around uh, at that point. But And this Green Bay offense just clicking. I think one of the interesting things with, with Aaron Rodgers is uh, it, I, it really looks like he's bought into this scheme and he feels comfortable with it because, you know, there are those those bombs that are happening. Uh, but last year, the Packers threw between 1 to 10 air yards um, at the lowest rate in the league. It was like 38% of passes. Um, and that was Rodgers just not really feeling comfortable with whatever was, you know, schemed open – 
um, you know, early in the play or, or with the checkdowns. It was either, you know, it was a deep ball or it was a throwaway. Uh, but this year he, he's comfortable uh, taking those those passes. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's throwing more in rhythm, um, you know, early in the play. And I think that's, that's really shown a buy-in that's shown a comfortability, um, with him. And I think that's, you know, made those big plays, uh, even better, um, and more often coming because I think it just, it shows that he's, he's comfortable in the scheme. I think he trusts it. He trusts what he's seeing. Um, so I think that's, that's just, um, another added element. And I think that's really what's making Rodgers and, and this passing game really good this year. So we'll see. I think that's, you know, we could, we could have worse Monday night games. Um, so I think that'll, that'll be, you know, uh, at least uh, an interesting game to watch on, on one side of the ball, I think. And I you know the, the Packers defense hasn't been great either. So, and I think, you know, the, the Falcons uh, offense has been, you know, good enough. They're still the Falcons offense. They, they find themselves trailing a lot. Um, you know, uh, uh, Calvin Ridley's just kind of been otherworldly uh, this year. Uh, I think he, he weasley in targets, um, you know, by, by a mile on uh, passes 10 or more yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he's been great. So him matching up with, with some of the Packers cornerbacks who, who have been hit or miss. So I think it's, it's going to be uh, an interesting game. So we'll see. So uh, with that, I think we can, we can end there. Um, we got through a week of, of, you know, not super interesting games, but I think we've hopefully, uh, you know, dove in and made some of them uh, entertaining for you guys and, and uh, you know, picked apart some of the things that we are interested in watching. Um, so you can find all our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find Rich on Twitter at uh, where Reeves read all of his stuff on Sharp Football Analysis. The, uh, the worksheet is up. We got rankings. Um, go subscribe to uh, the Pre-Snap Motion podcast, which is um, – uh, fantasy football podcast uh, on our feed um, that has been great all season and they've been uh, plugging along. Uh, you can find TA on Twitter at Cleve TA. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. So thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.